thanks for listening to the Human Again podcast. It's good to be back. It was nice having a bit of a break, but I'm excited to get back in the rhythm and share some of the things I've been thinking about. This week, I want to talk about editing because I've been thinking a lot about how significant editing can be and some of the things I've learned about it just through doing the podcast. I do want to be mindful because I know a lot of you may not have a context to relate it to if I just talk about editing in terms of working on a podcast, so I'll set the stage for thinking about it in broader terms as well. First of all, if you have any pursuits that involve creation of some kind, then you can connect the place of editing to that area fairly directly. If you write or draw or film or create music or paint or build websites or anything like that where you're creating some type of content, then editing is probably a familiar concept already. Secondly, there are many areas within your life that aren't always thought of as part of the creative arts, but which you still have the ability to do editing. In baking and cooking, you edit by adjusting recipes or tweaking little things to make the dish your own. In business, you can edit by changing procedures or refining the vision. Even in daily communication with family and friends, you can edit by taking a little more time to think about what you want to say first, or by literally writing out a text or email and editing it before sending. How you approach editing can benefit all of these areas, but I hope most of all that you can apply it on a macro level to your life as well. That may sound strange because our lives aren't books where we can rewrite what's already happened or change everything on a whim. At the same time, our lives are incredibly flexible to be molded in different ways. We make our daily choices that lead us in various directions and can shift the overall theme and tone of our lives. It's true we can't change what's already happened, and we can't always control how other people affect our lives, but we can continually edit and adjust the story of our lives by deciding what to include or exclude from them going forward. I'll come back to these concepts, but I hope this is enough to start you thinking about how editing does pertain to you in some way, and likely in many ways. Editing is not really the easiest or most enjoyable part of the podcast, and it can feel tedious, but I found it makes a huge difference in bringing something up to the next level. I'm referring primarily to the editing of content itself. Deciding what to include or cut and how to present subjects in the most beneficial way possible. I haven't always been good at it or given it the needed attention because I often get to a point where writing or creating something that I'm just ready to be done with it by the time I've met the minimum requirements. It feels nice to actually post something in the completed pile especially if it's taken a lot of time to put together. In high school and college, I got good at writing papers that would fulfill requirements on the first try, so I would just do a quick pass-through to tidy things up after the main content was down and call it good. In a context like that, it's easy to get into a rhythm because there are clear measurements for what's good enough or not. In most of life, though, things aren't that clear-cut. With the podcast, There's no objective standard for what's good or not good enough. It's a little complicated in my particular case, too, because I'm trying to navigate a balance between under-edited and over-edited. 
a large focus of my podcast is about authenticity as opposed to all flash or polish. So I'm intentional not to edit some things. I want to maintain a degree of modesty in the presentation so it can actually be relatable and not feel like a sleazy self-help pitch to get you to buy a product or a super high-energy entertainment explosion. This is one of the reasons I left the cover photo for the podcast as simple as possible, as a representation of the more stripped-down approach and a reminder that it's okay to not always be super glamorous or perfect. On the other side of things, some degree of editing is important to actually facilitate good communication and accomplish my intentions for the podcast. I could just ramble for an hour and talk about whatever comes to mind, which is a valid model that has worked for a lot of other podcasts. There are a couple issues with that approach, though. For one, that's more difficult for me because I can't really form what I want to say that quickly. I also wanted to make sure the content I release is of the highest quality I can make it. I realize time is a very valuable commodity, and there are a lot of things competing for it. So I'm honored by all of you who choose to listen and consider what I have to say worthy of your time. Thus, I also want to be respectful and communicate as clearly and concisely as possible. We often think that making something great is about coming up with more content or ideas. We're always in addition mode. So the temptation would be to add everything I can think of to an episode and make it as long as possible. Most people can fill space in a paper or speech, but being able to communicate something meaningful in as succinct a package as possible takes skill. In college, I learned it's sometimes harder to write a one-page paper than a five-page paper, or to give a two-minute speech than a 20-minute speech. Granted, you could put together some words for a one-page paper pretty quickly and call it good, but to truly cover a complex subject well in one page is really difficult. Because you have to be meticulous about every single word to make them count for maximum impact. There's no room for wasted sentences or tangents. On the plus side, if you do it well, then that one page can be incredibly profound while also taking less time to read. I've seen this principle in the area of preaching sermons, too. I've been to a number of different churches, taken preaching classes in college, and preached in several different contexts myself. Probably the most common mistake I've seen new preachers fall into is going longer than they mean to. I wasn't immune to this either. I constantly went long or blew past my time limit in sermons and speeches in class. And after studying and preparing for hours and hours all week, I just wanted to communicate all the interesting and important things I'd learned and help everyone else see them too. So I'd just pile everything in. What I started to learn later is that trying to fit everything in was actually lowering the quality rather than heightening it. By going long, I was making it harder for people to get the intended message. They started to lose focus or get overwhelmed by all the different things I was saying and lose track of the most important parts. There's nothing inherently wrong with a long sermon, but too often the extra time is just there because of a lack of editing and intentionality. Editing and cutting 
forces you to pack more meaning and substance into a smaller package, which is where the profound comes out. It requires more finesse and skill, using efficiency to avoid any waste or unnecessary content. The difficulty of editing is not so much the technical aspect as the emotional. It requires a willingness to let go and to sacrifice something you're attached to. Many times the thing being removed or altered is actually good. You may have worked hard on getting it to the point you did. Even then, sometimes the most beneficial thing to do is still to remove it so everything else can shine through even more. I've had a particular story I've come close to including in several different episodes because it's funny and interesting, but each time I started editing, I realized that the story didn't actually contribute anything to what I was trying to communicate, or it didn't fit the larger theme. It's hard to take it out because I'm excited to tell it, but it helps for me to realize that the story will be even more significant if it's placed in the proper context where it can be appreciated more. It's better to hold on to it for the right time rather than forcing it in somewhere it doesn't belong. It's kind of like food. Lots of different foods are delicious on their own and can be made even better in the right context of complementing flavors, but some things that taste good still don't belong with other things that taste good. Chocolate tastes good, but it doesn't belong in French onion soup, so the soup is much better appreciated if the chocolate is removed. Gourmet dishes in high-end restaurants are very particular about each and every ingredient to make sure every flavor is contributing in the most effective way possible to make the entire dish taste amazing. In contrast, many cheap or commonplace meals rely on dousing everything with one overpowering element that masks many of the other flavors. They're filled with sugar or salt or fat to make them appealing and kind of a brute force approach. But you end up missing out on the unique nuances and flavors of the individual ingredients that could give you an even more pleasurable experience if they were presented with more tact. Now, a word of caution. Even though editing is so important and can significantly improve the quality of what you're working on, it's important when and how you do it. At least for myself, I need to be careful not to start the editing process too soon. The temptation is to start picking apart my sentences before I've even got the first one down, but that leads to getting stuck and nothing ever getting completed. I suppose each person may have a bit of a different method, but I've found what works best is trying to edit or correct things as little as possible while still in the idea and initial writing phase. Then, when I have a solid base of content, I can start to adjust and rewrite or remove pieces. And it could be that I end up getting rid of everything and starting all over, but if I try to do that editing in the beginning, I'll be stuck obsessing over the second sentence and never finish anything. Jason Isbell is a Grammy-winning musician and songwriter, and I like the way he talks about editing and the writing process. He says it's his job to keep the self-critic locked up as long as possible in the writing process, and once the time is right, let it out to have its day. 
He says the editing and self-critic is still essential because all the best songs and lyrics you enjoy probably came from somebody obsessing over getting them just right. If that critic gets out too soon, though, then you can never get anything down because it just starts tearing it apart before there's even anything on the page. What we call writer's block, he says, is often just letting the self-critic out too soon and not enjoying the work or having fun with the process anymore. As I mentioned earlier, there's sometimes a value in not editing. It may be more important to be raw and unfiltered. You may be working on things that don't require as much precision. Like, it's probably not worth it to spend 40 hours writing and editing your Facebook post about your fun weekend, or getting your grocery list put together in the most perfect way possible. You also have limited time and resources. And no matter how much you work on something, there will always be more you could have done. This is why I set myself on a regular schedule for releasing episodes, because otherwise I would get too caught up in trying to make things perfect, always working on them but never finishing anything. That's one of the areas I need to keep working on, finishing things and not expecting perfection. So I give myself two weeks to make it as good as I can, then it's time to call it completed. Finding the right balance, and really editing as a whole, is about developing a good relationship with failure and process. In general, we overestimate how good the first draft will be, and underestimate how good the final draft can be. That is, most people set too high a bar for their first pass at something and then don't stick with it long enough to truly get it to a point of excellence. They get discouraged and feel like a failure when the first attempt falls short, rather than polishing it into something beautiful. The fact of the matter is, the first attempt is rarely perfect. I mean, everyone knows the first pancake in the batch always comes out a little weird. Same thing for a first draft. If you can get comfortable with that, it makes it much easier to enjoy the process and get to the final product because you're not second-guessing yourself or having existential crises at every turn. In my case, it frees me up when I acknowledge it's going to be rough at first, and my goal is to get a base down that I can work from. I don't have to start criticizing myself for the issues I see as I'm writing. I can just get it down, move on, and come back later to sort it all out. Like I mentioned in a previous episode, once you realize failing is normal and to be expected, you have a lot more fun and can get through the challenges that come up along the way without getting discouraged by all the areas needing improvement. I gained some helpful perspective when I started listening to more professionals talk about their editing process. For example, David Sedaris talks about how he routinely goes through 12 drafts of an essay before he even gives it to his editor to pick apart even more. If experienced writers don't give perfection on their first, second, or even tenth try, why am I expecting that from myself? This is encouraging because it means I'm not a fraud just because it takes a lot of work to produce something good. It's also encouraging because it means you can always make something a little better no matter where you start from. If the first attempt wasn't great, just work on making it 1% better. Then take that and make it 1% better. Keep this up long enough and eventually you have something excellent, 
That's what having a healthy relationship with failure and process is about. Setting a realistic bar for your first attempt and being willing to put in the work to keep improving from there. So if you're not a writer, or podcaster, or creator, what do you do with all of this? Well, the basic concepts can be transferred to virtually anything. In many of my previous jobs, it was the process of editing that made me such a valuable employee. When I was cutting fruit, I didn't move the knife super fast, but I was very efficient with what I did. I eliminated any unnecessary movements, and I put my whole focus toward the task at hand. I was often slow when learning new tasks, but I gradually refined my process little by little until I could do it as efficiently as possible without having to move my hands a thousand times a minute. That's editing. Accepting where you're at without getting discouraged. Gradually refining and removing any excess that doesn't aid the larger goal. Same thing when I worked inventory. The key to speed and accuracy wasn't running around as fast as I could, but eliminating all the unnecessary movements until everything I was doing was helping me complete the job. Now let's look at this on the broader scale of your life. The same concept is still applicable. First of all, start with where you're at without being discouraged or ashamed. In a sense, your current state in life and how you think about yourself is like a draft that's been gradually constructed by you and circumstances since birth. You may not like where you're at right now, but as long as you're alive, you have a chance to do continual editing and refining. You can decide what needs to get added or cut out to bring the theme of your life more in line with what you want. As in writing, the things that need to get cut may actually be good in many ways. They're not bad in and of themselves, but they just don't quite fit the larger context. This could look like committing to too many activities and roles that pull you in opposing directions. Just like a speech that tries to cover too many different ideas can fail to communicate any of them effectively, a life that tries to be involved in too many different activities can fail to do any of them well. When I get stuck or I'm not happy with my current draft of something I've written, one of the things that helps is remembering what the big idea or main point is. This gives me a reference point to see what needs to stay and what needs to go. If something doesn't contribute to that main idea, it's probably best to remove it so it doesn't distract from what's more important. In life, this works the same way. Figure out what the themes and goals of your life are and get clear about what you want your life to be characterized by. Once you have a framework, you can look at the daily activities and things you typically fill your days with and determine whether they actually fit the theme or not. On a personal note, when I look at my life this week, I realize that I've been filling it with a lot of time on YouTube. I've learned some interesting things and been entertained, but when I look at the larger themes I want my life to be about, the YouTube watching doesn't really contribute much. It's not actively ruining my life, and it's not critical that I cut it out, but it still diminishes the quality of everything else just a little bit because it doesn't fit the larger themes I want to characterize my life. And again, the point isn't to be ashamed and 
change everything, but to realize that that's one opportunity for me to change something just a little bit to make everything else a little bit better. Just like with fun stories that don't fit the episode, it's tough to remove, but in the end, it's worth it. Maybe you need to let go of a hobby or relationship or commitment that doesn't fit your particular life. Or maybe you need to add something or expand on something you're already involved in, but that's getting edged out by all the other distractions. Ultimately, I can't tell you what needs to be removed or altered or added because that will be specific to your life and goals. I can only tell you that the more intentional you are about what to include or exclude from your life, the more fulfilling and impactful it can be. Again, the point isn't to take this to an extreme and say you need to live in super efficiency and only include things in your life that make practical sense. Just like writing, you need to have fun with the process and hold back the self-critic until the right time, so you can make the mistakes and just try things. Then you can look over it later and decide if you want to keep those things around or not. Recognize that you'll keep making mistakes and decisions that aren't perfect, and that's to be expected. But every so often you can come back and reassess how to adjust so everything in your life is helping move you in the right direction. The more you do, the easier it will become, and the more enjoyment you'll get from the things you hold on to, because they'll be of an even higher quality. Wherever you're at, don't beat yourself up. There's always more that could be done, but it's a process for all of us. Case in point, this episode isn't perfect, and I would have liked more time to work on it, but... I'm satisfied that I got it further along than where it started, and I'll trust that you can still find something of value in it. That's what this is about. Enjoy the process, be willing to sacrifice good for great, and don't be discouraged if it takes some work to get to where you want to be. See you next time.